0: are live ladies and gentlemen welcome to the crypto gaming it's podcast episode number 46 i'm your host ben and today we have the one the only mr lee jenkins how you doing today man good how are you i'm doing fantastic so um you're killing it with uh blockchain brawlers and wax studios um would love to hear a little bit about your story how you got to um you know this spot uh and really um you know what's going on in the whole Blockchain Brawlers, Wax Studios, World—like, what's what's it like in in that uh, that slice of crypto? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's been really exciting, you know. So we started with NFTs in early 2020. I kind of feel like we were the the first team to try to make NFTs happen again when most people kind of thought they were dead. Uh, I think after there was kind of a crash. In 2018, uh, you know, after CryptoKitties hit its peak and a bunch of the other projects also kind of fell down, a bunch of things were created around the same time. Uh, and then, you know, but we always believed in it because we we all came from Opskins and we understood the value of these virtual goods. So early 2020, we started building NFTs. We signed Tops as our first deal, Coindesk we contacted them we're like this we have amazing news we signed top so the biggest trading card company in the world this is a massive mainstream adoption move they're going to put trading cards on the wax blockchain and coin told us that wasn't newsworthy uh that ain't right what's that about just to give you an idea of how dead nfts were we signed like the biggest tra- one of the biggest trading card companies in the world they're coming to the blockchain and it's not newsworthy uh but we persevered, we released a bunch of different really cool collectibles in 2020 from Tops, from Atari, from Dead Mouse, and others. 2021, we realized we need to kind of step it up a little bit because the pure trading card format uh, might start to get stale. So we then invented what we called crafting, which now people refer to as blending on the wax blockchain. And our first Street Fighter release was the very first release to have crafting slash blending uh, on the WAX blockchain. Um, We then added a ton of new partners in 2021. Uh, We grew the WAX Cloud wallet from 500,000 accounts to over 10 million accounts last year. So 20X account growth. And the thing that's interesting about the WAX audience is they, are, they behave very differently from audiences on other blockchains. The WAX blockchain is, is the only audience where even in 2020, people would like look at our NFTs and say, you know, where's the utility? And on every other blockchain, even today, I don't see that question. It's like, oh great, it has punk in the name. Or it has ape in the name I'm in, right. But on wax, it's always, where's the utility, which is, which is great. Our audience is very sophisticated. And so the thing about utility is it's very difficult to do with big brands because big brands were looking at this and they're like great. So we just give you a bunch of images and you guys go sell them and you give us like 90% of the money. Good job. And we're like,
0: you're but... like, wait a second, but no,
1: <laughs> you know, and that's kind of the way it is with big brands because the royalty rates on NFTs just went through the roof. I mean, literally like I'm not exaggerating on the 90% numbers. Uh, it, you know, it, it was pretty crazy where things got very quickly on the brand side. Um, and you know, it it makes it very hard to do that, but, but what's particular, but the money's, the money's a separate thing. What's particularly frustrating is you go talk to the brands. They're like, we'd love to, you know, make a game with this or do whatever thing we could do to add utility. And they're like, look at you like you're crazy. Right. Uh, it's like, no, NFTs are just pictures. And
0: they still don't get it.
1: They're starting to come around, but even for AAA game developers, right? I mean, y- you saw the Ubisoft release. There was no utility for those NFTs. Um, so it is still a little bit of an uphill hill climb for big brands to, to get it on the utility side. You know, there definitely is some truth to the the cash grab nature of oh, yeah. the way big brands and AAA game devs have so far approached the NFT space. Totally. Um, so that's where we started looking at. Okay, well, if we're going to give the audience what they want, we have to we have to start moving towards uh, original IP. Because it's the only way for us to be completely in control of the project to be able to give the audience what they want. Because a lot of people don't understand, you know, we'll we'll get very angry, you know, messages about certain releases we've done about it's just so simple. Why don't you just do this? And but the answer is it's not up to us. You know, even just getting art approved with some big brands, it's like a nine month endeavor just to release a set of pure art NFTs to get them the whole set approved. So imagine how hard it is when you wanna now throw in utility or, or even animation gets very difficult. Uh, so trying to create a game, especially a play to earn game with a token, cause you can imagine how scared a lot of big brands are about tokens. Of course. I mean, we have to spend or had to spend hours and hours and hours with the legal teams of big brands we worked with, just getting them comfortable that NFTs weren't illegal. And so then you talk about fungible tokens and their attorneys' heads explode. Um, So that's why we started moving towards what we're doing now. And there's still a place on wax for big brands. So don't get me wrong. Uh, We've had a lot of really cool successes recently with big brands that are willing to do more. Brands like Funko and Hasbro and Mattel uh, and Sony and AMC. So the most recent crop of brands we brought on have been willing to really go above and beyond, tying things to more real world, more robust use cases, you know, tying exclusive physical collectibles to the NFTs as virals as we call them, virtual plus in real life. Uh, Spider-Man was amazing tying that to the ticket purchase. So as you walked into the theater and scanned your ticket, you received an email with a code to get your Spider-Man NFT. AMC, the NFT drop they just did with us uh, for the I own AMC NFT. That's where you're holding that NFT, you're gonna get perks dropped as NFTs to you throughout the year. Could be you know free popcorn, things like that theater. So actual NFT perks coming as airdrops, which is super innovative and very cool. Um, so there's lots of really good things going on with brands, but play to earn is a very hard sell to brands.
0: So so wait, let's let's actually take a step back for a second because we have had on the show, some folks that are building on wax, but I really want to just kind of, um, and I know we like dove straight into it and, and uh, you know, I, I love that. Um, but maybe we could give a little bit more background on like exactly what wax is really. Um, and then it'll kind of like connect the dots for people that are like, wait a second. We're talking about NFTs and now we're talking about play to earn brands. I mean, play to earn games and then big brands. So let's just tie, let's just like tie the, tie the loop on it. Um, Let's give like the, the 30,000 foot view on like what wax is first. And then let's dive back into what we were just talking about. All right.
1: Sure. Sorry. I got ahead of myself there. All right. So wax is the most used blockchain in the world. And if you don't believe me, go to Dapp Radar. All the data is there. The data speaks for itself. We have around 19 million transactions a day on WAX from tens of thousands of NFT collections. You know, probably we're we're approaching more than 100 games on WAX now, could be getting into the hundreds, it's been growing so fast. So it is the most used blockchain in the world by a massive margin, by the way. All the other chains sit around a million transactions per day of the more used chains. So we're like nineteen times that. Uh, can we
0: actually? Can we actually look at that? We can screen share here. Can we pull I'd, that up?
1: I'd be happy to screen share. Give me one second to uh, to pull that up. I'm always happy to show off that data.
0: Yeah, because I want to. I want to dig into this because one thing I've noticed about um, folks building on Blacks, and maybe this is you know part of the whole you know part of the whole uh, branding, but it's very sticky like people who people who are on wax absolutely love wax like they cannot speak highly enough about it okay wait i'm gonna add it here okay we can see now dap radar uh on the screen
1: so let me walk you through this data because this data is really phenomenal and it's something that i wish more people in the crypto world looked at the underlying data Mm -hmm. there's so much nonsense in crypto right yeah it, because people focus so much on the wrong metrics so for example not to knock cryptopunks super mm-hmm. innovative super early project but it's got like 10 trades a day so when people go and they're like oh my god cryptopunks it it does like 30 to 50 million dollars a day it's like it's 10 trades mm-hmm. and a lot of them are wash trades so Ten people doing something is not super impressive. That's not mainstream adoption. Right. Uh, you have obviously that this new battle between uh, NFT marketplaces on Ethereum. There's a lot of wash trading there. Uh, you know, and and where you can really see that data also. If you go, I can show you Crypto Slam after. But if you go to Crypto Slam, you really see it. It's a relatively small number of people. Accounting for like hundreds of millions of dollars of wash trading, uh, mm-hmm. because there are now incentives on those exchanges to earn tokens for trading volume, and so you have all this wash trading, and so it causes people to focus on the wrong metrics, because mm-hmm. uh, it's like if twenty people can manipulate the dollar volume just through wash trading, it the that, that that's a meaningless metric. But on Wax, right. where we have Literally, it's right around 500,000 daily active users, uh, which is many times more than Ethereum, many times more than Solana. So why don't I show you that data?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's check
1: it out. So here are users today. Mm -hmm. So let's see here. Uh, So let's add ETH to this. Let's see, I'm gonna take off my glasses here so I can see the screen a bit better. Let's add Solana to that. We got Matic. Okay, so now let me go highlight this. So Wax today has 500,000 daily active users. Mm-hmm. Only one chain is ahead of us, which is Binance Smart Chain with 811,000. Hive is at 330,000. Polygon is at 89,000. Ronin, 169. ETH, 105. Solana, 74.
0: Can we, actually, can we add in AVAX, Harmony? Oh, yeah.
1: So there's Avalanche. Mm-hmm. While well, we added Flow. yeah. Uh, so now let's see. Avalanche, only 53,000 users today. Flow, wow. only 7,000 users today. Wax is 500,000. And when you start to look at use case, BSC, it's a lot of finance stuff, a lot of DeFi stuff, right? Wax is mostly games and NFTs. So mm-hmm. as a game and NFT chain, Wax is on top hive interestingly which is a great chain but the interesting thing with hive is all that traffic is from splinterlands Mm. and splinterlands does its nft sales on wax so there's kind of a uh yeah dap radar gives uh, both of us credit for splinterlands in their rankings sure but but here that's this is just pure user numbers so hive is getting the credit so it's not it's not shared here so The the traffic happening on Hive is on Hive. The traffic on WAX is on WAX. So there's no share amounts there, but but we do deserve a little bit of credit for what is in Hive when you're thinking about it from a Splinterlands perspective, because both Hive and WAX add utility to Splinterlands. Sure. Uh, So now let's skip down to transactions per protocol. This is where it just looks crazy. WAX is the purple line. You see everyone else down below. So let's add a bunch of more blockchains, like you mentioned. Let's add Harmony. Uh, let's add Avalanche. Let's add Flow. Let's add ETH.
0: Let's do IMX as uh, Immutable X as well, just because we know they're in the gaming space. All the oh, way yeah. left. Let's mm-hmm. add
1: Immutable X. Uh, do you then, see Solana on here? Where'd they going? Uh,
0: I'm not seeing them. But yeah, maybe no. let's just throw in Moon River just for just for. Uh...
1: There's Moon River.
0: Just for the sake of it,
1: you know, Solana actually does have very. F- oh, there, oh, Solana is highlighted. There it is. Okay, so let's look at transactions. Wow, Wax has nineteen point five million transactions today. The next highest is Hive with two point six, then BSC at two, Solana only seven hundred eighty-five thousand, Matic Polygon only two hundred thousand, Harmony three hundred thirty-five thousand, Avalanche two hundred thirty-nine thousand, Flow only two hundred ninety-one thousand. So if we go look at coin market cap and look at where all these things are relative to each other, I, I might pass out. So, uh, (laughs) but the world is upside down.
0: Yeah. Why
1: is that? It's because no one looks at the data. Crypto is a hype game. And we're one of the guys playing the operational reality game. Uh, But this this data is very telling. Here's another thing that's telling. Matic had its first hit game recently with Sunflower Farmer. Their volume grew to around a million transactions a day, and it almost broke Polygon. Some people say it did break Polygon. And Sunflower Farmer actually had to turn off their game because the blockchain couldn't handle it. With 1 million transactions, and we're doing almost 20 million. It shows layer twos don't work. Sorry, guys, (laughs) everyone out there that's like layer twos are the future. They're not, they are plagued by the exact same problems that ETH is plagued by. Uh, they don't scale to mainstream success. They scale more than Ethereum. They are cheaper than Ethereum at these levels of volume, Mm -hmm. but doesn't work at scale you, you put 19 and a half million transactions on pretty much any of these chains, not going to work. Chain. What a contrarian
0: view. It's a contrarian data-based view. I love this.
1: This is amazing. Solana, by the way, as as many are aware their blockchains already crashed twice on, on this many transactions. So what would they do if they got to Wax's level of transactions? I mean it it really calls into question all the talking heads in crypto and, and the narrative that's been out there about all these chains here's the data guys it it is what it is it's kind of hard to dispute and and when you look at the problems that have occurred at these low levels of volume for these chains like crashes and or gas fees i mean the gas fees on polygon jumped to like 30 bucks or something around there from sunflower farmer and only a million transactions. Wax remains gas-free. There are no minting fees and it's carbon neutral. Carbon negative, actually, because we offset more carbon than we produce. Uh, if okay. we go-
0: we're seeing the hard data here. I love yeah. it. Um, I. I totally love by the way, because I, I <laughs> most people would not have been like, yeah, let's do a screen share. They would have been like, wait, let me come back and we could do another one. I love that you hopped on and did a screen share. I think we're convinced by the data. So let's actually dive into wax. Like, what is it? Like it's a blockchain. Clearly, it's it's literally outproducing every other chain as far as transaction volume, which I didn't know before right now. So thanks for enlightening me. How is that even possible? Like, what is Wax doing differently?
1: We are built for the mainstream. Let's go back to that Street Fighter release I mentioned earlier. We did 2.6 million NFTs for about a buck each uh, in 24 hours. Uh, you know how many of the big crypto publications like talked about it? None. Uh, we you know why because it's way more exciting to talk about one rich guy buying a grimes nft for a few million bucks than it is to talk about hundreds of thousands of people buying nfts for a buck each it's people it's it's just it grabs headlines when you talk about rich people doing things people love to hear about rich people doing things this guy spent how many millions on that NFT? Like headline, right? Mm -hmm. Hundreds of thousands of people spent a buck each. It's like crickets. But if you want mainstream adoption, that's what you got to do, right? They need to be affordable for everyone. And so WAX has always taken the approach of we want to sell millions of NFTs for cheap instead of a handful of NFTs for a lot of money, which ends up just leading to manipulation anyway, because when you only need 10 people to generate all that volume, it's very easy to manipulate. It's right. a lot harder to manipulate when you have hundreds of thousands of people at an average NFT cost of like 30 bucks on wax, you know? And the funny thing is like the average NFT cost on wax is less than the gas that the gas cost generally to just mint a single NFT on Ethereum. So when you have affordable NFTs with a mainstream audience, you got a lot of transactions, right? That's why. It's because it's gas free, it's affordable, and you got a lot of people. That's a recipe for mainstream success.
0: So and how our- is this how is this possible? Like is it is this a fully decentralized chain? Is it what technology is it using? Like what are the what are the trade-offs if any?
1: Well, this is the difference between proof of stake and proof of work. So proof-of-stake chains are more scalable than proof-of-work chains sure there are criticisms of of proof-of-stake as a concept in that some people feel proof-of-stake as a concept is less decentralized than proof-of-work um and wax we've worked very hard to overcome those criticisms for example we have an office of inspector general that's an elected position elected by those that stake and vote their wax, the job of the office of inspector general, which is made up of three generally engineering experts that themselves have been block producers or miners, et cetera. uh, they write reports on all of the current and prospective block producers on wax so that the token holders that stake and vote their tokens can be informed on who are the candidates and why should I vote for them? Then the block producers themselves, uh, you have 21 primary and 15 standby, and they get elected by the token holders. And so we, we think we've avoided the, the early collusion problems that happened on early proof of stake chains like EOS, uh, because the office of inspector general makes everything incredibly transparent. And then the token holders vote, um, The advantages of proof of stake are that you can use more standard infrastructure, right? Um, You don't have a race for computing power the way you do with proof of work, which is why uh, proof of work chains like Bitcoin and Ethereum can be so energy and efficient is because a blockchain is a glorified database. So it shouldn't take the same amount of energy as some small countries use to run it, right? That's crazy. It's a database. But because you're competing to mine blocks, everyone throws ever increasing amounts of excess computing power and energy at it to try to win. It's a waste. And it's wasteful, right? On proof of stake, the block producers literally take turns mining the blocks. It's algorithmic. I can share my screen and show it too. It's actually pretty cool to see on the block explorer. Let's Uh, do it.
0: Let's do it. Let's, let's whip out the screen share again
1: I love I love sharing my screen I tend to avoid like slide wear. Mm-hmm. Uh for me it's it's more fun always to show things live oh yeah so let's see here so let's share the tab of of blocks.io um,
0: so right. as you're as you're getting this up um, and I'm want to pull this I'm gonna pull this on the screen. Uh, we have it pulled on the screen now, um, but but just real quick, how are we able to do this, we being wax, like pr- proof of stake, is it is it just a different algorithm than any other proof of stake blockchain that exists out there? Or are you saying the other ones are not truly proof of stake, they're just like working their way there or something like
1: well, in Which general, state? proof of stake chains have a much higher capacity than proof of work chains Right. in terms of high transactions, speed per transaction. I mean, we can do uh, 8,000 transactions per second. And we've gotten pretty close to that is during peak volume. Uh, Solana, by the way, their transactions per second number includes a lot of things that no one else includes. So on an apples to apples comparison, Solana is closer to the 2000 transactions per second. If we're being compared directly to the same definition of a transaction as what you have on wax. Sure. Um, But the potential for higher transaction throughput exists on most proof of stake chains. And most proof of stake chains have the potential for greater energy efficiency. Uh, The difference is then less technological. I believe we built a very good proof of stake chain, by the way, but the difference on why we're doing so much more then comes down to execution. So the technology gets you half of the way there, but you can't just say we will build it and they will come. The next half of it is getting them to come. And that's where we as Wax, the team, have gone out, and we brought in more big brands than any other chain. We actively recruit game developers. We we do the the labor, the the manpowered work in addition to the technology side. So we built the technology to handle the scale, but then we got to make it happen. So we didn't just say it's decentralized. Sia, we said it's decentralized. Now let's build wax studios to build a wallet on top of it. That's going to be the easiest to use wallet in the world. Let's build high quality marketplaces. Let's build games. Let's build all the tools and then bring in big brands as well to attract as many users as possible. So you need both sides of the equation. And that's, I think why we stand out. So the technology is one half of it, by the way, what you may be noticing on this screen I'm sharing is you see where It literally just cycles through right now. Nation.wax is producing. And then in a second, it'll be a new block. And now gray mass is producing. So it literally they just take turns. So there's no waste, which is why it's so energy efficient and environmentally friendly. Is everyone's running standard infrastructure when you're elected as the block producer, and it just cycles through algorithmically, sorry, algorithmically, and it says says, now it's your turn, produce. And so it just cycles through. Everyone contributes the exact amount of computing power necessary to run the network without waste. If any block producer fails to produce,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it falls to one of the standbys. Uh, And then as part of the OIG's reports on all these block producers, it's, did they ever fail to produce a block? Are they running the required infrastructure? Are they underpowered for what they should be? Uh, So it's very transparent to really help people make informed decisions uh, as token holders to vote. So it is a, what I think is a great governance model for proof of stake. And it all has come together into the total package that is wax uh, to produce the most used blockchain in the world.
0: I love it. So as far as like marketing goes and, and getting user adoption, um, obviously you talked about going out, recruiting big brands, going out and getting developers. Um, I love the idea of gasless, um, transactions and, and minting. Um, where's the main revenue driver for wax and how, like, how sustainable is it because if there if the gas is not where the revenue is being accrued like what's the model there and what's kind of the end game um for wax with that model
1: so like i mentioned early in the call uh, we came from a background in marketplaces and virtual goods so before there were nfts there were skins mm-hmm. and in-game items even going back to the late 1990s and world of warcraft and gold farming and all of these things our team has been in that since then sure uh blockchain afforded a far better way to do it but these bait the, the basic business model you know has not changed in over 20 years uh so when we think about coming from that background we understand marketplaces better than anyone else so when we designed the tokenomics of the blockchain the fees come From the nft standard and from the market Mm. so when you sell an item uh using the atomic asset standard on wax two percent of the sales price goes to tokenomics uh which when you think about is the best possible place for it to be if you think about selling on ebay selling on amazon you're used to paying a seller fee It's just, it's baked into marketplace economics and everyone that's ever sold anything on any kind of site knows that that's the way it is. That's the best
0: way. Cause you're not getting clipped up front. It doesn't hurt you to get, to get started and the technology that's enabling the sale to happen in the first place is just participating in, in part of the upside.
1: Exactly. And so we put the tokenomics on the back end instead of the front end. So we've reduced all the friction. So there can be way more trading, way more transactions, uh, way more minting. We, even before you might've heard, we're, we're currently doing a huge, the biggest drop ever, 10 million NFTs to celebrate the first 10 million accounts on wax. Uh, but even before that we were already at 110 million NFTs on wax. Uh, And that's a lot of NFTs. That's a lot more than any other chain. Uh, And that is because uh, of the architecture, of the ecosystem. Uh, You know, all these things contribute to having the most vibrant NFT ecosystem, uh, which then leads us to where we currently are, which is we built this great NFT ecosystem, but the audience wants more. And that's where games and P2E starts to come in.
0: Well the beauty of that is play to earn it's driven a lot of the times by the NFTs because the what you're earning can be a lot of times what you're earning are going to be tokens at least from what I'm seeing right now yep. but in order to earn a lot of times you're going to be you need to use nfts like they're your characters there it's the race car it's the sword it's the armor it's the land it's the everything that you see in a game and also there's this cosmetic side so that's the utility side but also skins are skins are awesome like i don't think anybody would doubt that skins are great i think we have to kind of unlock some real value in skins that we're not currently seeing um done like if we think to like existing games and you know, the league of legends world, like they've nailed it with their skins. I think I would like to actually have a conversation about how that's going to kind of bridge over to web three model and play to earn gaming. But anyways, NFTs are driving the play to earn revolution. They're an integral part of it. So it makes sense, especially with gasless transactions, um, that that would be a very natural next step for wax
1: absolutely and so we saw the first major hit game on wax was alien worlds followed shortly thereafter by farmer's world uh well splinterlands also counts and and splinterlands counts splinterlands took off uh as a play to earn game a little bit more recently the game has been around for a long time But as a a play to earn game, it really took off more recently because I think they made some changes to their mechanics and it led it to being hugely successful. Uh, But when we think about these recent successes, it started to really show what the WAX audience wanted. And they wanted an ability to use these NFTs in a meaningful way. Um, and play to earn is actually pretty fascinating on, on how it works. Um, so play to earn in many cases right now is really gamified DeFi. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of click action type games, uh, where they, they feel to me a lot like early Facebook games uh so if we think if we compare farmville to a current play to earn game it's actually a pretty fascinating analogy so let's talk about that so you go you plant a crop and then you want to harvest it right and then suddenly there's a countdown timer it's like going to take you 24 hours to harvest it so what did you do you go and you do an in-app purchase in the game and you buy some gems and you spend those gems to harvest your crop faster as you're building your farm empire. So what did you just do? You're enjoying the game. You're building your empire and you're making Zynga billions of dollars. Okay. Now let's compare that to what play to earn looks like. So you go and you plant your crop and you wait and you harvest it. And then you say, wait, I harvested that crop. And I just got like $50 worth of tokens. That's incredible. How can I earn more? And you say, okay, well, I need to get a tractor uh, and then I can go faster. And so, but you don't do an in-app purchase to get that tractor. Instead, that economy has been democratized and decentralized to happen in a peer-to-peer manner. So you're no longer doing an in-app purchase and making Zynga rich. You're making the community rich, which is fantastic. Which hopefully you're a part of. Right. And it gets to the heart of what blockchain is all about. Play to earn is so pure. It is the purest utility use case for NFTs. What you've done is you've taken free to play games and you've decentralized that game's economy. So you go and I go out now to the NFT marketplace and I look and I say, okay, well, that tractor is selling for a thousand bucks and it's going to make my $50 an hour of harvesting go up to a hundred dollars an hour. So it's totally worth it to buy it. But how much would it cost me to craft that tractor? And I look and I say, okay, well, that's going to cost me a thousand of the in-game tokens. So then I head over to Alcor, which is a popular Dex on wax that has these tokens and I look and I say, how much would it cost me uh, to buy a thousand tokens on Alcor? And so now there's arbitrage. So now people are choosing, do I buy the NFT or do I buy the tokens and craft the item? And so it creates huge secondary trading volume in this stuff because there's constant arbitraging between getting the tokens or getting the items. So that's one really exciting mechanic in this. But at the the core loop has really changed in the game because both the original free-to-play you know, Farmville and the play to earn Farmville both have the same goal as a player, I want to build my empire. But with play to earn, you've now added an extra goal. I want to build my empire and profit while I do it. So what you have is you have people that are now on Alcor and on the secondary markets for NFTs, and they are buying NFTs and they're buying tokens to help them build their empire because their goal now is not build my empire because it feels good. Their goal is I want to build enough of an empire so that I move from a net consumer of items and tokens to a net seller of items and tokens. Because I built such an amazing empire that I have a surplus of items that I can sell to other guys that are just getting started. And so there is always a demand for items and a supply of items which creates the most pure operational blockchain economy you can possibly create it's all utility based there is supply there is demand there's no speculation in in that it's a pure utility usage i am buying it because i want to use it in the game i am selling it because i've created so much in the game i have extra to sell to help grow the player base it is an amazing model
0: so Something that I'm actually noticing, and at the core, in its purest form, yes. A hundred million bajillion percent. Uh, I'm picturing Dr. Evil. One million, babillion, And yes, a, 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 yes, amazing. Um, and clearly, I'm super biased towards crypto gaming and play to earn because I literally started the Crypto Gaming Institute. What I'm seeing, however, is that we're still facing friction. We're still facing friction in the form of not every game has figured out how to build a really good game loop. It's difficult. You have to become not only a game dev and a blockchain dev and like a story writer and a lore builder, but you now have to be an economist and you have to build a real economy that has real lasting sustainable value. And if we've seen... From the history of play to earn games, nobody's figured it out over an extended period of time to the point where we can say that's the gold standard. There are a lot of good ones. There are a lot of promising ones. And I'm confident that we're going to figure it out as a community, as gamers. Gamers unite. Nerds unite. Let's go. Um, From your perspective... And you have a really interesting perspective because you're building infrastructure that's supporting these players. I mean, these game makers and the players. Who are you seeing? um, And I don't need to know specifically names. I'm not looking to shill. But like from the perspective of the ones that are doing it right, maybe is a better way to ask it. How are they building it in a way To where it is the purest form of what we're talking about, where there is supply, there is demand, it is organic, there's no speculation or as little as humanly possible, um, and and we're reducing the friction. And and the tokens you earn in-game aren't approaching zero at a very rapid velocity as far as value goes.
1: Right. Well, my hope is that Blockchain Brawlers is the one doing this. You know we've hired a big team of very talented guys from the game the game industry uh, our head of studio now is a gentleman named michael rubinelli and mike uh started his career uh at ea uh working on madden and he was at playdom uh when it was acquired by disney and he has built games for you know 30 years and he Understands it in a way that few people do, and so we've been working for months fine-tuning the Brawlers economy uh, to ensure it it makes sense and to try to avoid those pitfalls that have happened before. It is a challenge, you know. Don't get me wrong; you're absolutely right. It is a challenge. Uh, I think having multiple tokens is helpful. I think what farmer's world did introducing multiple tokens was super useful and it helped their economy. Their economy still did crash, but it might've just gotten a little too hot, a little too fast because it still is doing quite well, even though it crashed. It's still the volume is, you know, one of the top volumes on, on wax for NFTs, uh, still doing a healthy volume on Alcor. So it might've overheated early on but that might not have necessarily been their fault or and, the fault of the economy
0: and and please don't i'm not futting at all because i realize this is extremely difficult and we need people to come in and studios to come in and, and builders to come in and test and experiment for us sometimes it's going to go really well from the beginning Sometimes we're going to crash and burn and we have to pick ourselves up and keep going. So I'm not fighting at all and I wasn't calling out anybody at all. I'm just saying it's a difficult problem. We're still trying to fully, fully get at.
1: It is. And and so for blockchain brawlers, one of the things that you might notice is we've introduced next to no supply because these auctions we've been doing that we call founders additions, we really mean that. The idea is you get those founders edition items because you're a founder of this game. You are going to be a player that will end up minting a lot of the items that helps bring in new players as you start to supply the market. Uh, So there's a fine line that developers need to walk between greed and sustainability. And so we're sitting on the sustainability side, not the greed side. And so we've been going with very low supply, uh, to ensure that we don't oversupply the market too much, too fast. Right.
0: Brilliant.
1: The the game will hopefully grow to a lot of players, but you want it to be gradual. Sure. You, You want those players to come in from the early players, supplying those new players with items. Uh, so I think that's a key, is really controlling the spigot, you know, and, and not putting too many items out there. Because when too many players hit on day one, it the, before the game's economy is even really formed, you have things, you've seen a lot of games really struggle b- because it's been too much too fast. Totally. So we're going to try to ramp it up more slowly in a more sustainable way, Brilliant. that's gonna really help. Uh, we do have two currencies in the game. We have brawl tokens, which are a fungible token, and we have gold, which is a non-fungible token. And we have fine-tuned the economy such that certain rarities produce, are, are stronger at producing gold and certain rarities are stronger at producing brawl so that you need to mix up your deck a little bit uh, in order to be the most successful. You, you as a player, need to make trade-offs and make smart trade-offs to maximize your earning potential in the game and maximize how much you can mint to help bring new players into the game. Uh, So we're trying to be very smart about it. We're trying to be very cautious And we're trying not to be greedy because we want to ensure that this is a player driven economy because i think a key to play to earn has to be that it's player driven not developer driven of course uh and so that's what we're really getting at here and i know some people get upset because these auction items are going for a lot of money but again that's because the players are choosing to spend that money on a limited number of items and, and those it weeds players-
0: out the bad actors it gets yep. the speculators in theory out of it
1: right you, you'll also notice there's been very little flipping of the brawlers uh we got it you 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 might be aware we did our first hundred auctions on binance nft uh and then we have a bridge that'll be released shortly so that if you want to use them in the game you bridge them over to wax cloud wallet and can use those in the game. But Binance NFT called me and asked, you know, what's going on? Why is there zero trading volume on these things? Uh, Because they were some of the top items in December. I think in December, uh, while those auctions were going on, we had like number one through six on the charts. We're all brawlers. And we were the number six creator in December ahead of Animoca. Wow. Uh, with only hundred items sold. So it was hugely successful as the initial primary sale of hundred items on Binance, but no one's trading them. And the answer is simple. They're waiting for the game. They're not flippers, which is incredible because everything in NFT is so flipped. It is very satisfying to me to see something people want to hold because they're excited for this game we're building. And they want to use these items in the game. And they feel fortunate they got one. And you do get a you get two images with the brawlers. I don't know if everyone's aware. Uh, there's the main image. Then there's a second image, which is a PFP image uh, that zoomed in on the brawlers so you can use it for your profile picture. This is also why, for those that understand it, that's why the, the uh, brawlers with belts go for more, because that's a rare attribute on a really cool PFP collection. Uh, so, you know, it, people are buying it with all different motivations. They're buying it because they're excited for the game. They're buying it because these are Founders Edition items that will have a a chance of building this economy from the ground up. Uh, and they're buying it because of the PFP aspect. These are amazing looking NFTs and they want to show it off in their profile that they got one and they're one of the lucky, you know, holders of a Founders Edition item.
0: They're PFPs you can play and earn with. That's the freaking key. That's the key. You guys nailed that. Uh, It
1: is a hybrid collection. Can
0: we? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Hybrid collection. Can we screen share about this? What can we see of 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 brawlers? What can we see of maybe not gameplay, but maybe gameplay? Can we see some of that?
1: Uh, gameplay, I can't screen share yet. Although oh. we, keep, we, we put out more and more infographics on our site that, that help people understand how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we have, we're not sharing gameplay just yet. Um, but you know, the process with the brawlers is really quite smooth. We use our own primary drop marketplace, which is at wdny.io. Uh, that's the wax digital marketplace and which is where we're holding these auctions. And everything just works so seamlessly together between Whitney and the wax cloud wallet and our brawler site. It is really nice when you have all these components that work so well together. Definitely. Um, But you know, if you go over to, uh,
0: well, so we can't, so we can't see gameplay, but maybe just, and I know we're coming close to time here. So I want to really dig in and understand like the gameplay loop. Like,
1: let me, uh, let me share my screen again.
0: Love it. Three screen shares in one episode. That's I think, right. I think this may be a uh, this may be a record for us.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So okay, uh, we can see it. So this is the site for blockchain brawlers, bcbrawlers.com. Uh we got our link now to start getting whitelisted. We're gonna do uh 750 brawler packs uh for $350 each. Uh, will be sold uh, coming up prior to the game's release. And so that's to try to help people that can't afford the auctions get in. Uh, With the game, you need a ring and you need a brawler to get started. So those brawler packs will include a free ring along with the brawler. And for everyone that's been bidding on these auctions, We're going to airdrop a free ring to everyone that won one of the one of one legendary brawlers. So everyone's going to get a free ring. So on day one, everyone that has a brawler is going to be able to go in and start using it. Uh, we thought it would be be terrible if like you have the brawler and you go there and you realize you don't have the ring. (laughs) So you couldn't start. So we're going to make sure everyone that bought a brawler has a ring, uh, so we have those two pack types brawler you know plus a ring pack and then the gear packs Uh, and we're also going to do a limited amount of gear gear gives you multipliers on how much brawl you earn every time you send one of your brawlers uh, to fight Uh, so that's the advantage of gear so scrolling down a little bit
0: so it's more of an idol you send them to fight and they duke it out and based on the different accessories they have and what type of brawler and so on and so forth. It's, it's probabilistic uh, winning that brawl.
1: Yes. At inversion one, keep in mind what you have on day one is not necessarily what you'll have at, you know, a few months from. Oh, then. of course. I just day want one. to get it clear. Yeah. Yeah. So day one, it, it is more like the gamified DeFi style of play to earn. It is way more polished than what most people have seen with cutscenes and other fun things, lots of movement and animation, and it feels really interactive. Cool. But the core gameplay loop is more of an idle game.
0: Have you played have you played like an like a chess auto battler before, like an auto chess type of game? Is it kind of like that where you're actually seeing the brawlers duke it out in real time? Or is it more of like you set it up, you set up the brawl, you execute, and then there's a cool cutscene, some interesting graphics, and then you get a result?
1: It's more like that. Gotcha. Uh, and then later, we're going to be adding additional gameplay that'll start to become more interactive. The goal is to give you things to do during the cooldown time. So we want to make it so you could have fun all day long with this game. So at the start, it's more of that idle game. And as it goes on, the expectation is we're adding more exciting types of gameplay that give you just more and more stuff to do with your brawlers.
0: Right on. Yeah, I actually really like the idea of um, building out an interesting economy, building out a really interesting Brand and a community and actually starting off with as little difficulty on execution of gameplay as humanly freaking possible. Like if you try to start off by doing like a full WWE, you throw on, you know, you throw on a, a helmet and you're now in 3d and you, you are the brawler and you're trying to duke it out with other with other people that are doing the same thing. like There's so many ways that could go wrong so early. But to to almost simplify the gameplay as much as possible without losing the fun is probably where we're going to see the most success for games at this stage of the crypto gaming life cycle. So I really actually like that decision to go... I don't want to say simple in a bad way, simple in in like a hopefully elegant way um, where it's really focused on the community, the brand, the story, the economy, and, and just, you know, making it a be more of a cool experience to participate in um, as opposed to like, okay, well we're doing the next um, you know, we're, we're trying to create ready player one from the get go. I like that decision.
1: And there is an unresolved question. In play to earn, by the way, which is what people, what do people really want? If you created the greatest game ever
0: mm-hmm. utilizing
1: NFTs, uh that's a play to earn game, but it requires a lot of work to play and earn, uh, versus something that's more of an idle game, which would actually win. We don't know. Uh, it may be that the audience preference is for the idle game. Uh, because they want just a simple way to earn crypto. Uh, and it Or it could be that they really want that fully immersive interactive experience. I think it is an unresolved question. So of all the games that we are developing at Wax Studios, uh, we're in a bunch of different genres. So we're going to have an answer to that question by the time we release all these games we have in development, because we have games with widely varying degrees of gameplay on day one.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be the marketplace that decides, obviously, wherever the players go, because you're going to have a couple of different types of players, like we're going to have the pure gamers who they're looking for the most epic experience, they probably don't really give a shit about the, um, the earning side, at least in the beginning, they're in it for the gameplay, and they're looking for, like, They're looking for like World of Warcraft, but fully immersive 3D. They can throw on a headset and they can fly on a dragon and go do a raid as themselves. But then that's kind of like on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, like the entire gig economy workforce is looking for a more fun thing to do with better earning potential than the menial data entry tasks that they have right now, or they don't want to drive for, you know, one of the ride-sharing services. And so they're going to want to enter GameFi as well. So there's going to be a spectrum of people. And so I think all of the games are necessary. So it's really interesting that y'all are trying to spread your bets around and make a lot of different types of games. Um, that's, that's really interesting. I know we're coming up close to time here, um, I just kind of want to um, ask one more uh, question. I'm going um, to pause our screen share here for a second, put the, sure. put, put the focus back on you. Um, but just at a high level, what do you see as the future of crypto gaming, the future of the metaverse at the end game stage, all pun intended, and then what are going to be some of the milestones that we need to hit in order to get there, starting from where are we now in that chronology? It's a three-part question, but I think...
1: Yep. So right now, we are Facebook in 2010, or we are the Apple App Store around the same period, uh, which has pluses and minuses. Here's the plus. If you think back to the early days of the Apple App Store, an unknown or relatively unknown developer called Rovio that many considered to be a fairly mediocre developer produced what many considered to be a fairly mediocre game in Angry Birds, and yet, because the big guys were not participating yet, you were able to have a small indie dev become a juggernaut. Think back to the early days of Facebook; it's the same thing. Zynga was was no one. They were a little upstart that got to become a juggernaut because the big incumbent players are always slow to move. And so this is a phenomenal opportunity for indie developers to become a new incumbent, to take over blockchain gaming, because it's gonna be a while before the big guys get here. And it took a while on Facebook, it took a while on mobile, and this is the beginning of a new game life cycle where if you are an indie dev there is no greater opportunity right now than getting into p2e gaming before the competition from electronic arts and zynga and all those guys move into this space because they'll come eventually but in the meantime the next rovio could be crowned right here on wax right so that's kind of how i think about it uh, if we think about you know, where the games are now, they're rudimentary. It's a bunch of indie devs without giant budgets. It's a bunch of first time game makers. Uh, So these are not gonna be AAA quality for a little while. They're gonna be indie dev quality, but that's not to say they can't be fantastic games. It's a great opportunity for players. It's a great opportunity for developers. And we'll get there to that Ready Player One world. It's just going to take a little while. Uh, And it's going to take the players in this space building up their own empires first to have the money to deliver on that kind of vision, right? Because when you think about how much money it costs to deliver on AAA quality, it's a lot of money. it's a lot. And so it's going to be a little while, but you can have some really fun games created by indie devs that can lead them to start to have budgets to make better and better games over time. And so I think it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for the community as a whole to build something new before, you know, new entrants with a lot more money come in because they see the opportunity. But incumbents are always slow to see the new opportunity. But sure. all of us here, we see it now. And so now is the time to act.
0: I love it. Now, when you're saying we're a little while away from the AAA games, when does the first AAA game come out? How long from this very moment, knowing that we're filming this January 21st, 2022?
1: It's probably a couple of years still, to be honest. Because so we talked to a lot of AAA devs in the past year. Uh, None of them are ready to move Uh, One of them, the biz dev guys were super excited about it, but then they dug in and realized it would take them 18 months even to make their game engine compatible with NFTs. Wow. And so that's not even starting from scratch, AAA development. That's like just add NFTs to an existing popular game. It was like an 18 month cycle. So this we're so time, early. We're very, very early. Uh, the reason that a lot of the games, by the way, look, look like they look today is because there hasn't been enough time to create stuff that looks better, right? I mean, we, if you think about how far we came in 2021 from kind of the initial adoption of, of a big audience. I mean, we were doing this all throughout 2020, but we didn't really have a big audience come in until February, 2021 is when we finally saw some, a big influx of people. Uh, so it's literally been one year and in one year we've gone from just the birth of this to now, uh, I mean, everyone's trying to make games and everyone's trying to make super interactive content. It takes a little while uh, but it's going to advance rapidly.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, Lee, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I know I hit you with some tough questions right off the bat. Um, and you had answers, you know, so I, I'm really, really glad that we got to do this. Um, I absolutely love what, uh, what you're doing. I love everything that's going on at wax. I think it is sticky AF and in, in the best way. Um, yeah, I've only heard great things about, uh, you know, about it, and and now I understand why. Um, yeah, you all the real deal. I love this, and uh, best of luck with uh, with blockchain brawlers and and everything else you're working on. So, thank you, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, to everybody watching and listening, uh, thank you all. I will see you on the next episode.